The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Welcome along to the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to leave us a comment during the live stream or afterwards. Indeed, delighted to say, Keith Tracy, Phil Egan here with me to look forward to the weekend's action. How are you on, lads? How are you doing? Well, all good. Um, tonight, obviously, a huge game for Arsenal, Keith. Uh, we've got next Wednesday live here on Off the Ball a huge match between Man City and Arsenal. But with Man City in action this weekend in the FA Cup, Arsenal focus can be on Southampton tonight. If they win, they open up that seven-point buffer at the top. Games in hand obviously come into effect here as well. But for Arsenal, that would be psychologically, I think, important to be going with that buffer to the Elliot. Yeah, and I think as I think Mick Arteta won't be speaking about Manchester City too much. He'll just be concentrating on Arsenal and going and winning the next game. Because you just simplify it. You don't want to get too bogged down in it. And look, I know Arsenal coming off the back of the, the, two, uh, the two draws, the... The Liverpool draw obviously maybe feels like a half decent one in Anfield. The the West Ham draw maybe maybe feels a little bit different than the mouth doesn't doesn't feel right. But Arsenal haven't lost a, a Premier League game since mid February, so it's very hard to be critical of these players. And I know people. I said this a couple of days ago that I want the Champions League football for Arsenal, and I thought we'd be struggling to get it. As it is, we're in a title race. We've probably just gone second favourites now, but. What more do Arsenal fans want? I didn't think we would be anywhere near this. I have to be honest. And I, I know people are saying, but you're in that position, do you not feel? You need to keep an air of realism about this. You have to be honest. The, the, the objective was Champions League football. We've all but already done that with, with seven or six games to go. So I think Arsenal fans should be over the moon. And like the Gary Neville spinning it was, if you, if you were given a game to go and win away from home, that would nearly give you the league why not go and take it with both hands? Because the Arsenal fans, it feels like there's a bit, a little bit scared going to the Etihad, oh God, what's going to happen? Don't go and go and embrace it and just take it for the challenge is and enjoy it and hopefully Arsenal will click like they have for the majority of the season. But we were talking off air, I think Saliba, holding for Saliba is, is look, I, I like holding, I don't want to be too critical of him, I think he gives 100% every single game but the reality is he's a little bit of a downgrade on Saliba, so I think that's been a bit of a miss over the last couple of games as well. Yeah, particularly you want to have Saliba for next Wednesday. Of course, yeah, but I don't think you can pick and choose if he's if he's over 75% fit, I throw him on tonight, and you see what you do, and then you try and patch him up again for the midweek, but like I say, I don't think Arsenal have the luxury to pick and choose games. I think you've got to go out and win every single game, whether it's Southampton or Manchester City, go out and try and win the game that's in front of you. Yeah, 8pm kickoff Sky Sports for tonight's game, Phil, Arsenal against a struggling Southampton team. Uh, what have you made of Arsenal dropping the points the last couple of weeks as Keith mentioned the Liverpool game obviously was huge Liverpool came to a big intensity yeah. but given where they were 10 minutes into the game last Sunday they really will have felt that that was a golden opportunity to put more of a gap uh, between themselves and City. yeah I think yeah the, the Liverpool one when you reflect on it after it, it it's a game that could have won or lost because Liverpool were in the ascendancy towards the end of the match and yeah sure they were 2-0 up and but Liverpool then upped their game. The West Ham won cruise control after 10 minutes and just whatever people think about the Declan Rice incident, was it handball or not, it was just it was too casual from Thomas Partey. And mm. that was a West Ham team, a, a stadium as well, where, yeah, they're in the semi-finals of the Conference League. They look like they'll probably stay up, but West Ham fans are dying for an excuse to get stuck into David Moyes. And that's the way the game was set up after 10 minutes and Arsenal gifted them a lifeline the crowd get into it and West Ham I have to say raised their game they were brilliant in the second oh, half they were really good second half yeah, yeah. they ba- basically kind of played like the team that 
qualified for Europe under Moyes where they were so dangerous on the break and Antonio caused Rob Holding all sorts of problems all, all game and Saliba has been exceptional this season but like we saw with Manchester United last night when you lose certain players that you're, you're going to get exposed against better opposition and that's kind of what's happening Rob Holding would be fine for a game like tonight against Southampton but you would worry if he was part of your central defence for that game against City Keith did it feel like a shift in the title race to drop points last weekend because when I was on to Kenny Cunningham directly after the game he said Arsenal can't view it that way still a huge game to play they can pick up maximum points outside the City game and so therefore it shouldn't feel like a change but it's obviously left City right back into the title race the fact that Arsenal dropped those two points yeah, look, City, I think City were in the race anyway. A lot of people are, people are putting emphasis on the Arsenal and City game, thinking whoever wins that will win the league. I don't think it'll be as, as uh, black and white as that. I think there'll be twists and turns. It could even happen tonight with Southampton. We're all just expecting Arsenal, and I have to be honest, I'm expecting Arsenal to turn up and beat them as well. But to, to go back to the West Ham game, the, the big worrying thing for me was Arsenal looked really, really leggy. Uh, like uh, coming into the last 10-15 minutes for me they looked leggy and I know the Liverpool game was a big, big intensity but they're out of Europe and the one thing that was a, a, a plus for me was they'll they'll have time off they'll get uh, they'll be fresh and Is that down to a reliance on a core group of players particularly attacking wise this year I know Jesus is back after the injury break but a lot of the attacking players have played a lot of minutes Yeah you hit the nail on the head the squad is, the squad is not as, as, as good as we like obviously there's, there's Trossard there's one or two on the bench that, you, that we do trust but in terms of being able to rotate the back four is basically the back four that's sitting in place when we talk about holding coming in it's a little bit of a downgrade Thomas Partey was injured for a little while Jesus has been injured for, for a large part of the season but this Arsenal team has been outstanding so I don't want to pick holes and you know this and that because I do think we're overachieving but the starting eleven that we have is probably as good as anybody in the Premier League right now but when you start chopping and changing and bringing other players in I think it really really dampens Arsenal Southampton and Phil coming into this game obviously a poor record overall in the season but away from home they've funnily enough been a bit better 13 points out of their 23 have been picked up on the road I mean they've given teams difficult games they beat Chelsea 1-0 earlier this year is there any hope that they can pull off a surprise tonight? I'd be very surprised if a horrible record at the Emirates as well um, even in the Premier League era when Arsenal were playing a hybrid Southampton had a poor record there as well so I think like the relegation battle is really hard to pick but the one team that I would be most confident sitting here today of saying that will go down is Southampton now the way, because it's so tight a couple of wins and everything looks rosy like Bournemouth are a, a classic yeah. example of that but at the same time then you lose two or three games in a row and then you're right back in it so that's why I think the relegation battle is going to be so exciting between now and the end of the season but with Southampton there's so many young players including Gavin Bazunu that you just feel that it probably is going to be a bit too much for them but of some of the teams down there they're probably well equipped to come back up because they have so many young players and they have a few lone players as well that they could um, you could see them bouncing back Gavin Bazunu's had a tough time Keith in recent months probably going to be a busy night for him again tonight um, at the Emirates but they continue to back him, despite some of the mistakes he's made in recent weeks. Yeah, look, he's made mistakes, but he's coming under an awful lot of pressure. Uh, uh, when you're a, a 
a goalkeeper in particular coming into a Premier League team and you, you're dipping your toe into the Premier League water, you want some sort of protection. You want you know lads to be thrown their bodies on the line and really suffocating any sort of attacks. But he's been left wide open. He's been vulnerable. And he has pulled off decent saves within the mix. I know the ball has hit the back of the net an awful lot. But defensively, look, Southampton aren't great. And like we say, Gavin Bazzino has been exposed. But offensively, they're not very good. James Ward-Prowse is the top goal scorer with seven goals. And I love James Ward-Prowse. I'm a massive, massive fan of him. Great from dead ball situations. He's only two assists this season, which tells me that Southampton aren't scoring from set pieces. And if you don't score from set pieces, generally, you find yourself down the end of the league and they're conceding too many goals. So the, the next one is, is Che Adams with five goals. He's he's not available. He's injured, so you're down, you're down there now. The Alcatraz only has two goals this season. All of a sudden, they're looking very, very thin to hit the back of the net. On a, on average, Southampton concede one point seven goals a game. You'd imagine Arsenal's front three would be able to get that up towards three and four. Can Southampton, you know, somehow fire themselves into the game? I don't think so. I think Arsenal should go and win this but you know the last thing I want is for them to be 2-0 up after 70 minutes and then Southampton to go and get one because squeaky bum time all again 2 is a dangerous lead it for, is Arsenal for Arsenal right now yeah. it's a repeated trend isn't it um, Phil are you going Arsenal tonight as well yeah and I think ideally for Arteta Arsenal would win this comfortably and be 3 or 4 up with 20 minutes to go and then you start taking players off with Wednesday night in mind yeah, because uh, the fact that City have been able to rotate even midweek and they comfortably got through over the two legs against Bayern Munich, they'll probably rotate a bit again for the FA Cup this weekend and be ready for Wednesday. With the strength and depth of their squad, this kind of serious amount of fixtures coming one after another don't seem to concern them, really. No, and this is why City win the Premier League most seasons, because they are the team that can cope with injuries the most. And even think back to City playing Liverpool now Haaland they still win 4-1 now Liverpool weren't very good in, on that day especially in the second half but City are that team that can cope without certain players because they just have so many quality players and they're they're all so well drilled that, and they've been doing it for years that's why even when Arsenal were so far ahead like City have gone on this run now that that draw the other night in the Champions League was they, they'd won 10 in a row before that and the game before the run started was a draw in Leipzig they're two draws taken in isolation of a, a knockout tie which they won both knockout ties so this is what we expected from City in the second half of the season and they haven't lost since the, the Spurs game so that obviously adds to the, the pressure Arsenal are under I don't think Arsenal are bottling it the problem is when you overachieve then people expect you that you're in the title race then they think that you've got to grab it with both hands but if Arsenal don't win the league this season I don't think it's a case of them bottling no, I think I mean, you've 70 points at this stage of the season that's not bottling that's, no absolutely not themselves in a good position uh, tomorrow um, Keith Fulham against Leeds this is a huge game for Leeds uh, John Giles was in that very seat last night he said his main concern about Leeds manifested itself midweek which is that defensively they have got real problems at the moment uh, they shipped six against Liverpool on Monday they've been leaking goals in recent weeks Fulham have been very good all season um, if Leeds are going to stay up they have to try and fix that, even if it is patching it over for the next few games. Yeah, they do. They need to They need to stop the goals flying in. I have their last five games in front of me and they're, they're conceding goals left, right and centre. Like you say, five against Palace, six against Liverpool. And the one thing, I, I have my notes down here, good attacking players can can score goals, can hit you on the counter-attack. A dangerous enough team, but can't keep the, other, the opposition team out, which is obviously a big, big problem for them. So... 
I, I don't know what they can do. I think maybe play from back to front a lot more, keep the keep the ball away from their goal because when they come under defensive pressure, they do struggle and look a Fulham are a team that will keep the ball and turn the screw. They'll put balls into the box. Fulham has scored the most headed goals or the second most headed goals this season. So again, back to the set pieces. When set pieces come into the box, they need to be defended and attacked properly. But for Leeds, I I, I just I, it's very very hard to back them and the. The one thing is when you when I speak about Bournemouth going down or Southampton going down, I don't think a lot of players would be line, or a lot of teams would be lining up to take their players. When you look at the like of Rodrigo, Harrison, Sinistieri, Somerville, Bamford, Yonto, Addison, I think these will all be cherry picked if Leeds go down. So Leeds really need to be careful here and start start fighting for their lives because they are in a dog fight. I know they're in 16, but points wise they're only two only two points off the drop zone and. I can see them being there, there or thereabouts at the end of the season. Yeah, 12.30 kickoff on BT Sport tomorrow. This one, Fulham against Leeds. Phil, sometimes a team gets into a slump in form and gets dragged right back into it. And looking at the last couple of weeks, it feels like mm. Leeds are in that slump right I now. thought, you know, the, the win away to Wolves was massive. And then coming back at Ellen Road to beat Forrest, I thought, right, Leeds are on the up now under Grazia. They're 1-0 up in Palace. They concede at half-time and then capitulate in the second half. And then... Again, the other night against Liverpool, not bad for the first 25 minutes. Then Liverpool get their goal and look, again, like the try and explain the handball rule to me with the Trent Alexander-Arnold. But they get smashed 6-1 and that's the worry. Now, with Fulham, obviously, no Mitrovic. Uh, interesting from Marco Silva last week was he dropped Carlos Vinicius and went with Dan James as a false nine and he ran amok. Mm. So... That that could actually make it a real up and down, end to end game. Which at times you think it suits Leeds, like the chaos sometimes does work in their in their favour. But the next the next three games make Leeds a season because they obviously have Fulham tomorrow, then they have Leicester during the week, and then they're away to Bournemouth the following weekend. That's it. But then after that, their fixtures are City away, Newcastle home. West Ham away and then Spurs at home on the final day of the season. And you could argue even the games over the next two weeks are against teams. They're relegation six pointers. To use uh, the yeah, like it's so tight down there that those that they're the games to watch. Obviously, the the title, what a potential title decider between City and Arsenal is going to be the big game over the next few weeks. But there's so many interesting games down the bottom end, and they're the ones I enjoy the most. But they're so tense. That like you, you know you'd after watching them like you'd need to get out and get a bit of fresh air because uh, yeah there's 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 so much at stake whatever about going for titles fighting for survival as Keith said there like you're basically your squad could get stripped of all its assets like there's we mentioned James Ward Prowse there's so many good players down at the bottom end of the league that clubs are looking at now going who are going to take like you mentioned even Leicester I mentioned there yeah, Leicester have so yeah. many players that are not going to play in the championship if they're going to mm. it doesn't seem like we're saying the same thing about Leeds since Bielsa saying that defensively like attacking mm. they're all yeah. over the place it's 100 mile an hour maybe if they were a bit more defensively solid they could go up the league but they just don't seem to have a defensive mindset at coach and you know go in there and say let's get two banks of four stop the other team mm. scored and then go from there but it just seems to be 100 mile an hour I love watching Leeds play but if I was a coach I'd be pulling my hair out of that team I really would 
Yeah, even tail end of last season, it was kind of Leeds going blow for blow against mm-hmm. teams, and eventually set up because they scored some important goals and won yeah. some important games towards the end of the season. But they're not a team that you would associate with being solid. They're yeah, not going to eke out one 0 wins. A lot of the Leeds fans were saying that you know oh, the way we played under Bielsa was brilliant, and you want the new coach to to play like that. But you know sometimes the grass is not always greener. If it has to be a little bit more long ball, a little bit more rigid defensively, if that keeps you in the Premier League, then by all means do it. Yeah, um, so that's the half twelve kickoff. Looking forward to three o'clock Premier Sport. Liverpool against Nottingham Forest. We already kind of touched on Liverpool a little bit there, Keith. The way they played midweek, um, it's just they're so confusing uh, that they go on this run between the Manchester United game and then uh, stuffing leads. And now, in theory, they should go carry that form on against Nottingham Forest. They're still a long way away from the top four. I think it's still unrealistic that they would overtake Manchester United and Newcastle. But where are Liverpool at after Monday? I'm not. I'm just not too sure with this Liverpool team. It, it, it they're fairly similar to Chelsea in that you just don't know what you're going to get at home. I, I understand they are a little bit better. I think they're. I think they're fifth in the league if you if you manipulate the Premier League table to make it look like you want to look. And at, at Anfield, Liverpool are still Liverpool. But when they come away, I know. I know they be uh, lead six one. But other than that, away from home, it really has been dismal. Uh, sorry, Liverpool have won 47 points. 31 of them have been won at Anfield. It just goes to show you how sloppy they've been away from home. I expect them to be Forest. I expect them to be the majority of the teams they play at home. But when they come away from home, they look leggy. They don't have to cop with them. They don't have their, their fans. The intensity is a little bit lower. And all these little 1%, half percentages over the pitch... They're not as fluid in the final tour. They're not defending well enough. The pressure is not the same in the middle of the pitch. It just all makes a leveler for the other teams. And when they come away from, from Anfield, Liverpool look really, really tired to me. And when Van Dijk is saying things, I know he came under a bit of criticism from uh, a couple of Dutch legends and he's coming out and saying, I'm not a robot, I am tired. They're, they're just red flags for me. You know, you, Do you take them out at one of the most important times of the season? I'm not sure you can do that. I don't know with Liverpool. I think if, if you could just rip their hand, I think they'd rip your hands off if you said we'll give you European football next season and just end the season for you now. I think Liverpool would be happy enough. And before we talk maybe about Trent in midfield or <laughs> uh, maybe coming a bit inside, Nottingham Forest is the one we can't buy a win. Ten Premier League games without a victory. Um, that kind of mini little run they had has really come to an end. Uh, there's been a severe slump in form. Watching against Manchester United last week, no shots on target. Yeah, look at this. It's... I don't want to be too critical of Steve Cooper because the amount of players that's come in in the door, out the door, it, it's been a, a massive, massive task. The owner doesn't seem doesn't seem to be giving Steve Cooper the best chance. He sits there with a lip on him, you know, when they lose, and even when they're winning, he sits there with a lip on him half the time. I just don't know if Forrest again at home they look like a different team. They look like they could probably go toe to toe with people if it, if it was at the at the city ground. I'd give Forrest half a chance of it, a fighting chance of getting something against Liverpool. With it being in Anfield, I expect Forrest to go there, throw a few punches, be rolled over quickly enough and, and the game be put to bed sharpish. But look, I, I expected Forrest to get relegated at the se- at the start of the season. They put up a bit of fight during the season. They changed my mind. But the longer the season goes on, the more they're creeping into my head for being in the bottom three as well. Phil, talk to us about Trent because everyone's been talking about Trent this week. Uh, when he gets on the ball, when he gets into those positions, he is lethal. Um, it's not a total change in position, but it seems very clear that they're trying to get him into those kind of midfield roles now. Yeah, I mean, I think back to there was a game that I remember last season against Burnley at Anfield where he set up a goal for Manny and he drifted in a little bit and it was a first-time touch, but that's that's what he does. But he almost sums up what's wrong with Liverpool this season where the best version of Trent Alexander-Arnold is when Liverpool have energy and they play with that intensity. But then 
when they don't and there's gaps everywhere, that's the worst side of him. But that's, he's told, even though, you know, when you look at the team sheet, he's down as a right back. He is there to create. But when Liverpool can't hold on to the ball and he's halfway up the pitch, then there's always going to be a bit of space behind them. So to get the best version of him, you need to have a midfield that can close gaps and then also hold on to the ball, which Liverpool haven't been doing either of. Now, they have done it more so. I think with the with the Arsenal performance, like that incident with Jacka and Trent Alexander-Arnold just got him riled up, it got the crowd riled up. There was an intensity we hadn't seen for a while. Even, I know they beat United 7-0. That, that second half against Arsenal, they were charged for that. And he obviously was key in, he, he set up the, the equalising goal. But what Liverpool have to do in the summer is get midfielders that can A, hold on to the ball and B, have that intensity, the legs, the, the lack of legs that Keith has talked about that they've looked like they've had this season. If they get that back, then you get the best version of Trent Alexander-Arnold back. He just looked fed up, basically, as a player that is going out to get a hiding almost every week where opposition teams are looking at him going, well, as soon as we get the ball back off Liverpool, which we will, Trent Alexander-Arnold is going to be on the halfway line, just ping the ball over him. Mm. So I can understand why that can't be enjoyable for a player, whereas the last couple of games, he's looked like somebody who's enjoying his football again because he's getting on the ball and he's creating. And we know how brilliant he is at doing that. We know that defensively, that's not the best part of his game. There's a reason Gareth Southgate won't play him as a an orthodox right back. Klopp doesn't play him like that, but just Liverpool have been so bad this season he's the one that's got exposed the most and comes in for a lot of criticism. But Liverpool's midfield has been the problem area all season and they've really got exposed this season. So I think I would expect Liverpool to win. The strange thing about Forrest is, OK, I know they lost 4-0 away to West Ham. They don't tend to get a hiding too often because they've put so many players behind the ball mm. trying to hit you on the break. Brennan Johnson, by the way, is another player We'll add in to the, be all over him, yeah. into that bracket of players that you'd like to get if a team goes down. Mm. Keith, when it comes to Trent and drifting into these positions where he can be effective, I think Phil raised a very good point, which is that in 2019-2020, Liverpool had a very solid base around the midfield. Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold could go into as many offensive positions as they wanted. It was very difficult to actually break against them. But since midfield's been an issue, they get targeted. Yeah, and I, I'm, one of my Liverpool mates said that because Joe Bellingham looks like uh, Liverpool have been priced out of that, that maybe they're going to force Trent Alexander-Arnold to be that player that you need in the midfield. For me, I'm not sure. You've got one of the best right-backs in the world there. I know defensively there's huge, huge question marks, but why not teach him to defend rather than teaching him a whole new position? Like, it feels right. Everything he says about him creating, yeah, he can do all that. He probably is a good enough player to play in the middle of the pitch, but defensively you will have to defend in the midfield as well it's not all about attacking yeah. and there will be times when he gets the ball with his with his back to goal nobody knows if Trent Alexander-Arnold can play with his back to goal so I, I'm just not too sure look he's a, he's a very very capable player a very clever player but it's not as easy as just saying he's a clever player let's throw him into the midfield I remember Pep Guardiola did that against uh, against Nottingham Forest when he threw Bernardo Silva left back instead of Joe Cancelo and you're thinking you can't just be a smart player and say, oh, he can play anywhere. It's, it's not as easy as that, believe me. So, look, Trent, I think you put him into the midfield, you're getting exactly what you get at right back. A very, very talented boy who can get assists left, right and centre. But if somebody goes and stands him up and drops the shoulder, 
you could be really exposed in the middle of the pitch rather than out wide on the wing. So I think it's just more of the same if you put Trent in the middle. The other thing as well, Philip. I just think just play him where he is. Yeah. Just play him as a right back and let him drift in and teach him to defend a little well, bit. Well, in, in those games, those bigger games against better opposition, where like you think back to the Champions League final against Real last season, where Vinicius Junior gets in, but he, the best version of Liverpool with Trent Alexander-Arnold was when if he was out of position, Jordan Henderson dropped in. That's not happening anymore. So it's up to Liverpool and Klopp to sort out the midfield that basically you're saying this guy we need to get him on the ball but he needs to know that when he goes up that you know there's protection there basically he knows when he goes up that he's leaving the door slightly ajar but this season that door doesn't even exist it's not even wide open it just doesn't exist because there's been so much space because Liverpool don't press the ball the way they have been but they don't do it consistently and teams have worked that out now. They don't. They don't need to visually look up and see Alexander Arnold out of place. They just play that ball, knowing he will be up the pitch. Just hit it, get runners, and yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I think if you push him into the middle of the pitch again, you're getting what you get—a right back, a very talented boy who can't defend. There's no way as a coach you can say that I have an experienced rationale above my players on something like the wall. Let's see, does this work together? And then if you get a good vibe off it, let's bring it in. If you don't, all right, cut. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The football kickoff is with thanks to Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sport. Uh, let's move along to Sunday's matches then. Um, we'll start with the two o'clock kickoff. Premier Sport showing this one. Uh, Bournemouth against West Ham, Phil. West Ham last night progressing in Europe again in the yeah. Conference League. Uh, again, they had to shuffle the pack a bit for the match. But uh, David Moyes is speaking afterwards about how important Europe actually is. So as much as they're right in the Premier League fight at the bottom of the table, yeah. that's a two good results this week between the Arsenal game and also uh, coming back after going 1-0 down last night to qualify for the semis in the Conference League Yeah and there's nice financial reward if they were to win the, the Conference League and they certainly have a chance I mean they'll fancy their chance of beating Alkmaar in the semi-finals and it's a strange season where I've seen some West Ham fans saying it's like a forgettable season but they could end up winning a trophy which West Ham winning a trophy is a successful season obviously the last couple of seasons they've been up at the other end of the table but I think they'd be okay um, but I don't know what the future holds for David Moyes and, and West Ham I think it's something Keith touched on earlier about starting 11s and the Arsenal starting 11 has been so settled Moyes had a very settled starting 11 he's had to deviate away from that because you just can't keep picking the same starting 11 season after season and some of the signings some of them have been injured some of them haven't worked out and then some of the players, the likes of Socek hasn't had a good season. Antonio hasn't had a good season by his own high standards. Now, the last couple of games, we've kind of seen glimpses of the old Mikhail Antonio. But I think West Ham will be fine and another couple of wins. And then they can put it all in, into that European competition. Mm. And then if they win that, not only do they get, I think they, they would earn the guts of 20 million but they're also in the Europa League next and season. straight into the group stage of the Europa League yeah. as well. None of the qualifying to have to uh, navigate this summer as well. Uh, second half last week, Keith, we probably saw what West Ham were capable of doing with the way they played against Arsenal. Yeah, look, West Ham, that's the West Ham that 
I, I, I know under David Moyes over the last couple of years been very very competitive it's just I think the, the European competition has come to bite them on the arse I think their squad is not big enough to, to deal with that amount of games like Phil says he, he wants to pick the same 11 but with that volume of game you have to start picking and choosing you have to rotate people Antonio big big fan of his but he hasn't scored the goals his performances are starting to get a little bit better but in terms of goals he's nowhere near the return you want neither Jared Bowen's a long way off I don't think anybody's really took the bull by the horns in, in, in terms of goals Samaka I know he's been injured but he hasn't really hit the ground running for West Ham the couple of games that he's played yeah just just another team that need a lot more goals in them. Uh, West Ham they, they beat Ghent 4-1 and Look, I think Declan Rice, I love him as a defensive player. There's rumours of him going to Arsenal. I'd love to see that happening personally. But everybody's making a big deal about the goal he scored last night running from his own half. That there wasn't a challenge put in on him. Like, I don't want to like talk down about it. It was a great goal, a great run, but you're looking at that from a Ghent point of view and say, somebody tackled him. My God, he just ran into the 18-yard box, shifts it one way, shifts it the other, and then hits it. It was all too easy, but you'd swear it was like Madonna, uh, Maradona's goal in the World Cup against England. I don't think it was quite that good, but in terms of the league, I think West Ham will do enough just to stay in it. And if I was David Moyes, I'd be saying, we need to go and win this European competition to keep my job safe. Yeah. Declan Rice, if he's go to Arsenal, you said you'd be happy to see him sign. What would he bring to Arsenal? He'd bring a, more, a little bit more defensive solidity. I know Thomas Partey has been, been brilliant there. Uh, the likes of Shaka, Odegaard, you're just releasing a few more players to get higher up the pitch. And obviously, Roy showed last night that he can go from back to front. He can be that player as well. But I would put him as a defensively minded player in the Arsenal team. And I know Odegaard is in double figures already. Martinelli, Saka, Jesus. I would literally just tell them that to stay up the top end of the pitch. You go and win us the game. Declan Rice, Thomas Partey in the back four. They'll go, and, uh, they'll go and make sure that the, the other opposition don't score so whether or not it happens I'm not too sure but it's one that definitely uh, definitely wept my appetite for him mm. Phil we talked about Bournemouth for large periods of this season of being in trouble and then Gary O'Neill turned it around with them and now we barely talk about them being in any kind of relegation trouble at all yeah no, they've, they've been on a great run obviously four wins and six which includes wins against Liverpool and Spurs and yeah he's just gone about his business quietly and um, you know, came in for for Scott Parker. Then he was given the job on a permanent basis. Sometimes when that happens, then the results start to go down a bit. When you've done a, enough to get the contract, and then the result the results tail off. But yeah, about four or five weeks ago, you were thinking Bournemouth are that team that you're going to say you're going down. But that was a massive win for them because they got sucker punched by Spurs earlier in the season on their own ground, and then. To, to get done two all Spurs missed a chance and then to go and win it it, just, it had that feeling about that that's going to be a result that um, probably kicks them on to, to stay in the league which you know they, they've signed a good few players as well and um, I think yeah he deserves great credit for, for what he's done there because there's been a lot of managerial casualties and Bournemouth you know maybe it was just a case at the time they couldn't um, get who they wanted and they just said well just give it to Gary O'Neill but he's definitely done enough to to merit um, being given the contract and some of the signings have been quite good and they play with a nice bit of pace as well and so they've that game obviously on Sunday but they've, they've the Leeds game coming up as well they've Southampton as well so they could be safe in the next few weeks the Spurs Bournemouth game has been mentioned by Phil there, which is one of those games where Spurs have dropped points and have find themselves in a real chasing position uh, for the top four. 
they go to Newcastle 2pm kickoff on Sky Sports live here and off the ball on Sunday as well this feels real make or break for Tottenham with the poor form that they've had if they're going to get into the top four I think they have to beat Newcastle on Sunday yeah, I would put it down as nearly a must win for for new uh, for for Spurs. But look, Newcastle were very disappointing in the trainail defeat at Aston Villa. Before that, did four wins on the bounce, and Spurs have just been a, a little bit a little bit sketchy, uh, especially since Conte's gone out the door. And I have to be honest, and again, take this with a pinch of salt, coming from an Arsenal fan. But when Conte left, I thought Spurs would only go in one direction. I thought they would, they'd reach the glass ceiling under Conte, being fourth in the league. I'm not sure what sports fans want. Do you want to be toured second or forced? There has to be an air of realism with it. Like people are saying, yeah, it's the performances and, and this, that and the other. Does he's winning games, he's got them into a decent position. You have threw him out because of the the brand of football, which for me is crazy. I know the the press conference wasn't great, but sometimes you just got a grin and bear that the football is not great. You know you're getting that with Conte though. If you appoint him, you know that if standards drop he is going to give out. He's exactly. done it everywhere. Yeah, but uh, I, everything he said in the press conference about the Spurs dressing room, about Spurs as a club, it was all right. And look, again, it's, I'm an Arsenal fan, but every time I speak to a Spurs fan, I say, well, what do you want? Like, why do you think you should be here, there and everywhere? They all say, it's, well, we have one of the best stadiums in the world. That doesn't give you any divine right to be a, a, an outstanding elite football club in England. It's just it's just crazy stuff from Spurs. And again, it's probably, I don't think they'll finish... Uh, in the in the top four, I think they they've they've waned off that. Harry Kane's goals return has papered over an awful lot of cracks. I think the same with Rashford at Manchester United, but Harry Kane has covered over an awful lot of cracks of that club. Yeah, is that the disappointment for Spurs this year as well, Phil? That Son Heung-min has not had the type of season that he's had in recent years, where he was a Golden Boot winner. He's a huge contributor with goals and assists, and even Kulusevski was providing a lot of goals and assists last season. While Harry Kane has had to take the burden of their goal production a lot this year yeah and he it's not the first season he's had to do it but also you look at Richardson he was signing for big money hasn't scored in the Premier League yeah. um, so it's not it's not great in terms of those numbers I think what Spurs fans want is they want what they had under Pochettino and that was an exciting team to watch and a team that when you played Spurs, you knew that you were going to get a proper game, especially on their own patch. I remember the season at White Hart Lane where nobody beat them. I think Liverpool were the only team to draw with them that season and they won every other game and they were they played exhilarating football. So Spurs, that's not that long ago. No. So Spurs fans remember that and then they look at some of the dross that served up under Conte and Conte's there. You're meant to put up with his football because he gets your results and he wins things. But it was quite clear early on that he was never going to win anything with Spurs well he's not going to win a league title with Spurs while Manchester City are around and I think what hurts Spurs fans even more this season is they look across the way and Arsenal are absolutely flying it when you think back to this time last season and Arsenal capitulated towards the end of the the run in for the top four Spurs overtook them and everyone thought yeah they made some good signings the likes of Richarlison Basuma Perisic they're only going to go one way and it's just been such a disappointment I would agree with Sunday I think it's last chance saloon they have to beat Newcastle but then they play United on their own patch then midweek now if Spurs could manage back-to-back wins then they're right back changes in changes everything yeah. but I can't I, I don't know what Spurs are going to show up why is Richarlison not worked out Keith? I'm not too sure I think from the outside looking in I think he has a, a bit of a selfish ego I think it's all about him a couple of times he's not been in the team and he, he's been given out 
I don't know. I think the only reason he, he obviously played very well at Everton, I think some of, the, some of his best football has come in a Brazil jersey. I don't think for Spurs he, he's been anywhere near the levels that he has for for Brazil, obviously. And I think he just gets the lip out a bit a bit much. I, obviously, sometimes he feels he's been hard done by, but he knew when he went to Spurs, Harry Kane's the main boy. If by some miracle they go to a tilt front, they might be in the starting eleven. But other than that, he's not going to dislodge Harry Kane. So I'm not sure what, what Richarlison wants from that end of it. Last week, we were thinking this is going to be a ding-dong battle between Aston Villa and Newcastle. Aston Villa totally outplayed Newcastle during the game. How much of that was down to Newcastle, or how much do we have to credit Aston Villa for how they played? I would credit Aston Villa. I thought Villa were outstanding on the day. Like I said, Newcastle, very disappointing, but I, I would give an awful lot of credit to, to Unai Emery and Aston Villa. They've been, they've been outstanding since he took over. And again, I don't really want to criticise Newcastle because I feel they're overachieving. And since they got beat in the, in the EFL Cup final by Manchester United, it's been absolutely flawless. They've been brilliant. I know they got beat by City straight after that, but we we can forgive that. And then they've they've gone on. A, I think it's five or five or four games winning on the bounce, and then very disappointing against Aston Villa. So the first real blip since the since the final defeat. And yeah, Newcastle have been outstanding. They really have some of the players that have come to the forefront: Almiron, Joe Linton, Longstaff. You know, if you were to just get better class of player in instead of them. I think Newcastle become a real, real team. And rather than this being an exception and, and them overachieving this season, I think we could be seeing Newcastle fighting for European honours over the next couple of years. Kenny Cunningham alongside Stephen Doyle for commentary on OTB here on Sunday. It is live on Sky Sports as well. Phil, how do you see this going? Make or break for Spurs, I think is the way I'm still going to frame yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. And, but if, if they do get a win, then Newcastle are really starting to feel the heat because they have a few tricky games coming up. They obviously have Arsenal to go to... St James's as well and you wonder then Brighton have a few games in hand are Liverpool going to go on a charge then Newcastle might start feeling the heat but again like we knew as soon as Newcastle were bought by the Saudis that they were going to start challenging now we didn't think they would start this early in terms of being in the top four but if they don't get top four they'll be knocking on the door next season because they're going to reinvest. I think Bruno Gimaraes obviously has been exceptional for them. There's a bit of talk about him playing through the pain barrier at the moment with an ankle problem. So I don't know how much that is affecting his performances. He still looks pretty good to me when he plays. But they were absolutely smashed by Villa from the very first minute. I mean, Ollie Watkins should have scored after 30 seconds and he just gave the Newcastle defence a torrid time all afternoon. But the fact that they're back at home the Newcastle fans will be up for it um, if they win I think then they probably should be able to see out a top four finish but if they lose then who knows Who do you fancy Sunday afternoon Keith? I fancy Newcastle I can't see past Newcastle to be honest like like Phil says going up there and I think they will just St James will demand the performance and they will get one and I think other than the, the, the cup final that Newcastle have played this year, this is probably one of Newcastle's biggest games in years. It really is. To go and cement, or all but cement, uh, Champions League football, to go and beat Spurs, massive, massive game. And I think the Geordies will just push that one over the line. I think the fans will get them there. It's one of the very few grounds I'd ever say that about, but St James's really can be the old cliche of a 12th man. So I expect Newcastle to get that one done. And that soft underbelly of Spurs, I think, will just creep back in when it gets a bit tough. I've never gone to a Premier League game at St James's Park. I was at the rugby there a few years ago when the final was on. It's a great cathedral to watch sport in. 
What's it like to play in? Oh, it's brilliant. It's a, it's a great, great stadium. It's um, it's very, very daunting because you, you come in, you're in a coach, and you, the, when you pull into the coach, you're sort of in the stadium all yeah, day, yeah. you're in the ground. So you you come into the dressing rooms and you have to walk up the steps and you're coming up and you see the tier and they go and put your fans on the, the highest tier behind the goal. You, you can't even hear them. It, it's that, that, that far away. It's brilliant. It's it's great and it's just one of them stadiums even as an away player I loved it I loved getting on the ball and trying to ruin the party and quieting the crowd it's one of the hardest places to do it that and Anfield but I always love playing in St James's and when the crowd there are on it and they're demanding like everybody's a Newcastle or Sunderland fan nobody's a United fan up, up, there, up the mm. north of England everybody's Newcastle or Sunderland so yeah I think they'll demand and I think they'll get Alright, that is the game of the weekend, 2pm on Sunday. You have been uh, watching or listening to the football kickoff here with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sport. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will be back at half past 11 next Friday. See you then. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.